Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and today I am with... Uh, Kevin Knorr, pastoral resident. Uh, Bryson Amix, pastoral resident. And we are missing Alex Tate, another pastoral resident and deacon of Sacred City Youth, because as of right now, our brother is 25 minutes late. <laughs> so today we are doing a another Theology for Everyone episode. This is a new segment of our podcast. We're, we're going to be working um, chapter and article by article through the Westminster Confession of Faith. And we're going to do it not just to nerd out on theology, um, but because every single person needs to have um, an understanding of what the Bible teaches. And one of the best ways to learn what the Bible teaches as a whole is to study it uh, systematically. And so the church historically has written these confessions of faith that are many systematic theologies to help, um, I'll just say it now in our language, construction workers, to help moms, to help dads, to help uh, people in business. When somebody comes and asks you a question about the Bible or about God or about theology, um, that you've memorized the confession of faith in such a way and you become so acquainted with it that these answers can kind of roll off, um, roll off the tongue. And so that's our, our desire is each week we're going to take 30, 30 minutes or so and just try to work through. Uh, last week, we we're, we're in the first chapter on the Holy Scripture, and last week we talked about the first article. And today we're going to try to get through Article 2, 3, and 4 because, and we're not going to go too deep. I'm going to refer you to our show notes in the podcast where you can find some additional resources that you can uh, go deeper in understanding these issues because um, these issues we're talking about today get very technical. Um, PhD level, seminary level, it gets very technical and they are important. Um, but I am not a scholar in said terms. And so we're not going to try to waste that. We're not going to use, use our time today um, to make scholarly arguments. We're going to try to talk to the everyday person. And then if you want to go deeper, maybe your neighbor's asking questions, maybe you're in a seminary class, maybe you heard something in college and you want to go deeper, I'm going to give you the resources to do that. Okay. So um, Kevin, if you could um, read for us the, um, the first line of the second article on the Holy Scripture. Under the name of Holy Scripture, or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament, which are these. Okay, so, under the name of Holy Scripture, or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament, which are these. So, referring back to last week, he's talking about special revelation, revelation that has been written down, it's been inscripturated, um, it is now considered holy scripture with the word of God from God. And he says, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament. So the first thing we see here is the Bible. You know, the Bi literally Bible means books. That's what Bible means. It's a collection of books. And there's 66 books in the Bible, 44 different authors written over a period of 1500 years. And um, Kevin, do you have all the books of the Bible memorized? 
I did at one point, but not right now. Oh, Bryson, do you have all the books of the Bible no, memorized? Nope, there's too many minor prophets with crazy names. Oh, okay, so no. they both fail their pastoral residency immediately off the top. No, just joking. So, <laughs> you should memorize the books of the Bible. You should have the books of the Bible memorized. That's something you should do. Um, and I'm going to do a stupid human trick for you right now. I wish somebody could give me a beat because I memorized all of the books of the Bible, Old and New Testament, um, in rap form. Hmm. Yeah. I've seen a, an Ice Ice Baby floating around, so maybe you can tap into that. <laughs> no, it's definitely not Ice Ice Baby. You want to hear it? I, yeah. Kinda. Of course. Oh, gosh. Okay, here we go. Watch me watch me choke on this, right? <laughs> All right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. I tell you the truth about the book of Ruth on to 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and all those things, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Job. I want to go to heaven in a righteous robe, singing Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Solomon's Song, and the prophets are these. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jay's Lament, Ezekiel, then Daniel to the lions went. Hosea, Joel, and Amos's tale, Obadiah, Jonah in the belly of a whale, Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk's cry, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. The last Old Testament book reveals that Malachi points to a brand new deal. Did I get them all? Yeah. Got them. All right, here we go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus, and then move on to Acts and the letters of Paul, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, all, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, move on to 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews and James, Jude the Dude in Revelation. You'll see, is that it? Did I, did I, did I mess it up? I think mm-hmm. I messed it up, didn't I? Yep. Dang, 1st and 2nd. Oh, that's what I did. That's what I messed up. I said um, Hebrews and James, two books from Peter, and John's all three, Jude the Dude in Revelation. You'll see. There yep. we go. That's what I messed up. There we go. <laughs> oh, too much pressure, man. I was making my... Uh, my rap debut, my rap debut, dude. My album just dropped. That was yeah. a little nerve wracking. I got to be honest. So, anyways, um, I learned that when I was when I came to Christ, I had a youth pastor that kind of taught us it, and I've never forgot it. And literally, when somebody says, "Turn to the book of Jude," or "Turn to the book of Isaiah," "Turn to the prophet," that's how I do it. I just literally recite it. Well, well, well. looky who just walked in. Okay, only thirty-two minutes late. Not, not too bad. Okay. All right. So, um, and then with that, I learned that the books of the, the Bible is broken down into different categories. So we've got law, history, poetry, prophets. In the Old Testament, we've got gospels, early church history, letters, and apocalypse in the, in the New Testament. And that's how the scriptures are, are broken down. I memorized that when I was 17 or 18 years old. So that's the Old Testament. That's the New Testament. And then the next line um, for Article 2 says this, all of which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. To be the rule of faith and life. Now, rule, in scholarly terms, we're talking about the biblical canon. And we say the canon is closed. And the canon just means rule. It means rod. It means... The canon is all of the books of the Bible that are the Word of God, that they're divinely inspired, they're given by inspiration of God to the rule of faith and life, okay? So let's look at a couple of verses before we get into some, you know, issues 
in regards to that. So, Kevin, why don't you read Luke 16, 29 through 31 for us? Sure. While he's looking that up, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, new guy who got here a little, who got here 30 minutes late. How's it going, everyone? My name is Alex Tate, uh, Sacred City Youth Director and also a pastoral resident. Just enjoying a, a meeting with another brother, so <laughs> sorry if a little late here. Go ahead, Kevin. Thank you. All right, thank you. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Okay, so Jesus here is speaking of the Old Testament, right? He's speaking of the different categories. He's, t- he's talking about Moses and the law, and he's talking about the prophets. And he's recognizing that they're scripture, that they're divinely inspired, and that they they're, were authoritative. And Jesus himself, the Son of God, the Word of God made flesh, is referring to those Old Testament texts. Um, let's go to um, Luke 24, 25 through 27, Bryson. <clears throat> And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, so here we go. Jesus, again, referring to Moses. So um, that's law. That's the law. That's a biblical law. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. He's talking, he's referring to that, and he's, he's saying that, that these are scriptures. And he's saying, and he's referring to the prophets, and he's saying, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures of things concerning himself. And then um, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy 3, uh, 15 through 16. We quoted it last time too, but it's important every time we talk about scripture, you got to quote the scripture. And he said, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So he's literally talking about the Old Testament there. Sacred writings, scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, so here, this kind of begs the question then, why these 66 books, right? Why the Old Testament, why the New Testament? Could we theoretically find a, a book now that would be included into the that would be included into the into the canon? Um, this is kind of popular um, in academic circles in colleges. People say things all the time. So, I'll just two big questions, and the and the cate- and the uh, Confession of Faith is about to address them. One is what's been called the Apocrypha, and the two and the second one is what's been called the um, Gnostic Gospels. And so let's, the Catechism, or the Confession of Faith is going to uh, address both of these. So let's read the third article of the first chapter here. Um, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and read it? Sure. The books commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration, are no part of the canon of the Scripture, and therefore are of no authority in the Church of God nor to be any otherwise approved or made use of other than human writings. Than other human writings. So um, the scripture on that is Revelation 22. I'm going to go there really quick. Revelation 22, verses 18 through 19. It says this, 
I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now that's kind of an echo of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy also, Moses said, no one better add to scripture. No one better take away from scripture. If you do, you're going to be cursed. Okay. And so there cannot be any more books of the Bible added. Scripture is complete. Scripture is sufficient. We'll get into that in coming weeks. So what is this thing called the Apocrypha? If you've ever picked up, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, you probably already know this. Your Catholic Bible looks differently than our um, Protestant Bible. And that is because of what's known as the Apocrypha, which is a few weird books. I'm, I'm going to call them weird. Um, but they are mainly old they were mainly written during the intertestamental period, so after um, the Old Testament was closed and before Jesus Christ came. There are books written in there, and they're full of some weird doctrines. The early church, and not just the early Christian church, but the, the Jewish community, um, did not think of them as divine, did not think of them as divinely inspired. The Jews of Jesus' day did not... They, they counted them kind of like as just a, a book, just a regular book, not a divinely inspired book, but just like a, we would think a Christian writes a book today, that book we said last week isn't divinely inspired. It might have some divinely inspired sentences, but it's not divinely inspired. It's not going to be inerrant. Same with the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha is not inerrant. The Apocrypha's got weird stuff in it, and the Apocrypha was not considered um, a part of the Old Testament canon until the Council of Trent... And the reason it was brought in by the Catholic Church and the Council of Trent is because in it, there's stuff about praying for dead people, and Martin Luther was railing against the Catholic Church for praying against dead people, so they appealed to that. And there was just some things in there that um, that they that the reformers didn't believe, and did, and so they they used that to push against the the reformers. Uh, but the reformers said that book is no more divinely inspired than any other just book written by a human author. And so that's why the Apocrypha is not in our Old Testament. And we should, you can read it. There's, I mean, you can read it and you can find some weird stuff in there and laugh about it. And you'll realize why it, it's not a part of the Old, the Old Testament canon. Now, along with that, there have been some things, um, this guy named Muhammad Ali, before the boxer, he found, um, uh, Basically, he was dig he was um, digging in his backyard, and he mm -hmm. found some of these or some of these um, Gnostic gospels. Didn't even know what they were. Sold them to like a history, um, um, historical uh, pawn shop type of thing. And Gnostic gospels, they got a few copies, and they're full of absurdly weird, strange things. Okay, and modern scholars want to say, well. Why didn't they get included in the New Testament canon? And the easy answer is because they're crazy. That's why. <laughs> they're full of weird stuff. They were rejected by the early church. And so um, we should we should reject them too. I mean, you can read them for fun. You can read them. And you can learn some historical things in, in there. But they're, they're, they're not inerrant. And they're not the um, divinely inspired word of God. Now, I do have... Um, I wanted to read something from a little bit bigger systematic theology from, from uh, um, by Wayne Grudem. 
He says this, thus the writings of the Apocrypha should not be regarded as part of Scripture. One, they do not claim for themselves the same kind of authority as the Old Testament writings. So none of the, the Apocrypha say, thus saith the word, the word of the Lord, this is the Word of God. Two, they were not regarded as God's words by the Jewish people from whom they originated. Three, they were not considered to be Scripture by Jesus or the New Testament author. So here's something interesting. Jesus quotes... Um, well, the New Testament writers quote um, between 300 and 400 times they quote the Old Testament. And never once do they quote the Apocrypha. Never once do they, right? So, And Jesus never once quoted the Apocrypha. And then fourth, they contain teachings that are inconsistent with the rest of the Bible. So we must conclude that they are merely human words, not God-breathed words like the words of Scripture. Now, does that mean, um, you know, somehow they're like demonic and we shouldn't read them? What do you guys think? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think if there's some crazy, if there's an opportunity for like uh, you to pull some crazy doctrine to believe out of it, you should at least have some hesitation or some wisdom or maybe even some accountability as you read through it. Someone to talk through it with and realize like, hey, this says this, and that's actually not good theology. Um, I don't know, yeah, someone just there to kind of guide you through it and correct you where there is maybe some danger to believe something that's not necessarily good theology. Any other thoughts? I think I've never uh, read them for myself. I've heard some, um, I, I guess I'd say rumors about some of the um, Gnostic Gospels, about some of the stories, and I'd say you could probably tentatively get away with reading it like a, almost a historical fiction. Right. But yeah. not authoritative by any means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As long as you don't think they're divinely inspired, you can read them. It's mm -hmm. just like reading any book. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be an ancient historical book. You might get some insights from it, but don't treat it like scripture. Mm -hmm. Treat it like the newspaper. <laughs> you know? What about for the new believer? What do you think about that? I, I mean... I always say read good books first before you read bad books, right? Yeah. And so uh, put the Stephen Furtick on the shelf, right? Don't read that. Don't read that stuff. Don't read Joel Osteen, right? No. Um, can you find some truth in it? Sure, absolutely, right? But I don't go digging through the toilet for M&Ms either. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> don't want to do... So go, go to... Like go to... Read the good books first. Yeah. Read the inspired word of God first. Yeah. Absolutely. And so... But this, okay, so here's where you, here, here's why you might want to read them and you might want to familiar, uh, familiarize yourself with them. Today, we live in, quote, a pluralistic age that believes there's multi-viewpoints on everything. Everybody's got multi-viewpoints. Everybody's got multi-worldviews. And so people think, well, you know, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus really? Well, yeah, that's what the Bible says about Jesus. But what about these Gnostic Gospels? Shouldn't we include them as well? And and, and somehow they equate these Gnostic in the Gospel of Thomas. There was the like the, the Da Vinci Code back in the that's you know taught that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and he had kids and this line still exists today. And you just get in a bunch of goofy stuff. But modern scholars have kind of popularized this idea that you can't trust the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because there's other Jesuses out there. There's other versions out there. There's other gospels out there. 
when in reality it's just a historical lie. Mm. The Gnostic Gospels are a joke. They are an absolute joke when, it talk, when they talk about Jesus. There's only a few copies available of them when there's hundreds of thousands of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The early church didn't recognize them. Um, just because we found some old book that said the Gospel of Peter or the Gospel of Thomas does not mean that it's any way authoritative, any way divinely inspired. Um, all of the New Testament writers were, were either apostolic or they had direct contact with an, with an apostle. And so... Alex is just breaking <laughs> podcast stuff around here today. Man, comes in late, and then he's breaking microphones. This guy, bro. This guy. So when, when you say scholars, do you mean like, like Christian scholar? Because like, what I'm wondering is like, well, where does that stop then? Because like the Book of Mormon talks about a Jesus. Uh, what is it? The Quran that mentions... Jesus, yeah, like what? Just a really so none of those, bo- and we would say none of those books are divinely inspired. Yeah, and they also break the. Um, if any, if any, what's the scripture that says, even if an angel, First Corinthians fifteen, right? Even if an is that, is that the one? Even if an angel declares to you a gospel contrary to this one, mm-hmm. right? I can't remember if that was First Corinthians or that. I'm, I'm, I'm coming off the top of my head here. Um, let him be a curse, like don't, mm. right? And so, mm. an angel Moroni, guess what? We don't believe you. That's yeah. the, the Book of Mormon, right? We don't believe you because Scripture is closed. We didn't need any more divine revelation. God has perfectly revealed everything we need for life and godliness through His Son and through the Old and the New Testament. And so the canon is closed. We don't need any other books other than what we've already got. So all of which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. And then they, they made a point to reject... The books commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration, are no part of the canon of Scripture and therefore are no authority in the Church of God, nor to be any other otherwise approved or made use of than other human writings. So they're not saying burn them. They're just saying they're just like human writings. There's going to be truth and there's going to be falsehood in them. Okay? So <clears throat> let's go on to the fourth article. Oh, wait, hold on. Before I do that, I'm going to link an article, a YouTube video, and then a book by a scholar named Michael Kruger. He is one of the foremost scholars today, conservative scholars, believes in the infallibility, authoritative word of God, believes in the divine inspiration of the word of God, and he's a canonical scholar. So he's, he is one of the, the smartest guys, most educated guys, most well-researched guys on how we got the canon. So if you have questions on like, how did we get these books when did it all happen when did they all come together how can we trust them i'm uh, i'm gonna put it in the show notes these three links and you, you should get them all because more than likely if you took if you had some kind of bible class in a liberal arts college they're going to have some kind of um critical theory on the scriptures that's going to say oh yeah well we can't really trust them we don't, they were just put to, you know, put together by men or the church decided them late, in, you know, whatever. They're going to have all these different articles. And then, well, what about the Gnostic Gospels? That's a different Jesus. Which Jesus should I believe? And that, that like, Time Magazine has posted articles. That's kind of, this has kind of become common language and common knowledge. So you might be on mission to your neighbor, and they might, make, they might say something. Well, what about the Gospel of Thomas? What about the Gospel of Peter? What about the Da Vinci Code? What about, how can we trust the Scriptures? And... Michael Kruger does a good job, especially on the YouTube video, of giving four 
um, everyday layman answers how we can trust the, the New Testament authors. And I use a lot of his argumentation when I'm preaching at Sacred City, talking about first eyewitnesses, talking about er, how early the church records are, talking about how they, they say something, and then there would have been people there that could could say, no, I was there, that's not happening, that, you know, the right. eyewitness accounts, um, different things like that. And so it's um, it's important that, that you've got some understanding of it. And, and also, parents, as we're sending our kids off to college, this is the, if they're going to a liberal arts college, if they're going to the University of Iowa, uh, or whatever. This is the kind of they're going to be kind of indoctrinated to not believe the word of God. It's just you know, mm. and, and to trust these Gnostic gospels, even though there's it's just historically and theologically implausible to do so because it's they they don't have the weight of scripture. Okay, so there's that. So let's go to Article Four, and um, Bryce, why don't you read that one for us? Uh, the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received because it is the word of God. So, what are they pushing against? In the Reformation, the Catholic Church had the audacity to say, we put the Bible together, we, we are authoritative, and therefore we deem that these 66 books, or plus the Apocrypha, are the Word of God. And the Reformers said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have the authority in yourself to declare these words the Word of God. God declared himself in the words that these are the Word of God. So actually, the Word of God itself has the authority. It's self-authenticating in that way. The Word of God has the authority. The church doesn't tell us what Scripture is. Scripture tells us what it is. So God himself tells us what Scripture is. So God says, these are my words, and we believe it because God speaks. We don't believe it because the church tells us mm -hmm. that they're true, right? Yeah. That the church tells us these things. So that's what they're pushing against. And therefore, it is to be received because it is the Word of God. Let's go to some Scriptures there. Let's go to Second Peter. Uh, 1, 19 through 20. That's you, Bryson. Yep. <clears throat> uh, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. One more read. Read one more. One, one more verse. verse. Yeah. Uh, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So Scripture itself says, it's attesting to other Scriptures, that Scripture was divinely inspired by God. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, were men like typewriters and God was the typist, right? Or the typer. No, it wasn't that. They didn't, he didn't possess them in a way that, that like took away their personality, but he told them the exact words to write down and they wrote them down exactly how he said it. Now, Paul has his own style, his personality. You get that. Peter's got his own style. Peter's got his own personality. God used these men through their personality. He divinely inspired them. He, and so now the word of God that we have in the 66 books of the Bible, 
is the divinely inspired word of God. So if you want to know what God says about anything, life, faith, practice, you go to the Bible, right? Um, Kevin, let's go to 1 John 5, 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has been, that he has born concerning his son. Okay. It's not saying don't trust men. You, if you trust the testimony of men, trust the testimony of men. But the word of God is the testimony of God. This is God's word, right? So we should trust that. Um, last one, we're going to go to First Thessalonians. We'll go to First Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Trying to find it here, if I can. First Thessalonians 2.13 says this. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Okay? This is the word of God. Now, there's a famous bumper sticker that kind of says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And R.C. Sproul used to always say, no, 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 no. God said it, and that settles it. It doesn't take your belief. God's word is true no matter what. So if an atheist says, I don't believe the word of God, we can say, so what? Like, it doesn't, you don't have to believe this to make it true. It is true itself. Mm -hmm. It is true because God spoke it. Um, you, and, but as believers and as human beings, we are under the judgment of God if we don't accept it as the word of God. It says, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. So, the authority of Scripture, the authority of the Holy Scripture, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth himself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received because it is the word of God. So we don't have to prove. Now, if we're, if we're, we're speaking missiologically, if we're trying to be on mission to our neighbor, we want to do our best to, to kind of give them some proof that the scriptures are reliable, that the tr scriptures are consistent, that the scriptures are true. But Spurgeon famously said, defend scripture? I might as well defend a lion. He's like, I don't need to defend scripture. Scripture is the word of God itself. And so it doesn't need us to defend it. It needs us to let it loose and let it do what, it's, mm -hmm. what, what it wants to do. And it's the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. So as we preach the word, as we declare the word, as we speak the word, that the word of God is going to produce fruit. It's going to produce results, you know. And so that's what, yeah, that's what we want to do. Scripture is authoritative in itself. Any thoughts on that? Questions? Yeah, I was thinking through um, <clears throat> listening to uh, one of the links you sent us on this uh, before, and the I forget who the guy was, but he seemed like he was saying like uh, the testimony of any man. Uh, it seemed like he was kind of referring to that as maybe the state or government, um, and then the church as well. So like. I don't know, just thinking through, especially with what kind of like 
year 2020 has been. Um, and, you know, not, not jumping on, like, John MacArthur bandwagon, but, like, you know, when the state says, like, hey, you shouldn't meet right now, or, I mean, we all just kind of went through that. Like, what is the... Like, like, how much do you consider, like, this part of this confession in something like that? Yeah. Well, so that question is you're going to get into the role of the civil magistrate, and that's going to be that's going to be coming later. But, um, but if if if, he, if the government said you can't meet anymore because we don't want you to, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, we're going to outlaw religion, then we would say, well, we don't listen to you, yeah. <laughs> right? That's what the Apostle Paul did, you know, in the Book of Acts. He said, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to obey God rather than man. When they told him to stop preaching, right? They got jailed, beat up, and then they got released, and they said, just don't preach anymore. He's like, nah, I'm yeah. going to keep preaching. Mm-hmm. You can keep beating me and locking me up, but I'm going to keep preaching. Mm-hmm. And so he's go- he would have to disobey God, right? Stop preaching. He'd have to disobey God to obey the state. Yeah. And so he's not going to do that. But we get into slippery slope type of stuff when it's um, it's for the common good, right. right? It's not, or there's a scientific reasoning behind it that that is... Um, under the rubric of kind of do no harm, like this could be, mm-hmm. you know, potentially deadly or dangerous. Then we listen to them um, to an extent, mm. right? We listen to them to an extent. We, we will, if, if it causes us to disobey God for like, you know, uh, or our conscience, then we would probably move to disobey them, civil disobedience. But we're going to get into that later. Um, one way that this... Sometimes people are like, well, my pastor said, my pastor said, well, did you see what this pastor said? Did you see what that pastor said? Mm-hmm. And I don't care what that pastor said, and I don't care what this pastor says. And sometimes you shouldn't care what I said. You should say, what does the Word of God say? Mm. And that's where you should. That's where, that's where the authority is. The authority is in the Word of God itself. Mm-hmm. The authority is. I don't care what John MacArthur says about X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I care what Scripture says. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so that's what we should go to. Our, the scripture is um, what it, sa- it said in, in number two. All which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. Scripture is to determine for us what we should do, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's it. So think about this when it comes to, um, you know, your relationship with the scripture. So many people depend, you know, they're... they're, they're their relationship with God depends more on their feelings than it does on their relationship with Scripture. They, what they think about God is determined more about their feelings or their culture or the movies they watch or the music they listen to rather than Scripture itself. And so the Westminster Divines here are saying, no, the only way to know God as He is is through Scripture. We already talked about that a little bit last week. You can know him through natural revelation, but that's very fuzzy. You're going to know him in a fuzzy, creator, powerful sense, but not in his, um, not in his essence, not in who Jesus Christ is, right? Like mm-hmm. not in the, the perfect representation of his being, mm-hmm. um, unless you go to Scripture. And the only way to know Jesus is by going to the firsthand accounts of him, by going to the the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and saying and letting G, letting the real Jesus stand up, letting the real Jesus speak to us. So um, I pray that we would be a church that is marked by study of the scriptures, love of the scriptures, um, and that we would con- 
consistently seek to conform our life and our practice to the Word of God. That's our, that's our goal. And so we should be reading it every day. We should be studying it as often as we can. We should be preaching it every Sunday. And we should be letting it shape our decisions in life, not um, what we feel, not what we think, right? Um, and that's, that was some of my pushback when, we've, when, this, um, when some of this, the, the racial division started coming to the surface again and people started pushing back on certain things. And um, most people that I talk to just don't have a biblical understanding of politics. They don't have a biblical, like, what is the government for? What should we, should, does the Bible talk about big government, small government? Does the Bible talk about living in a plural, pluralistic age? Does the Bible talk about these things? Um, what does the Bible talk about? What does the Bible mean by when it says the word justice, when it speaks to, the, when it speaks that we should seek justice for the poor, when it's about mercy, about um, seeking the outsider, about immigration. The Bible speaks to all of these things, and people aren't biblically literate on it. They don't know, and so they just adopt their political party's perspective on it instead of going to the Bible and saying, what does God say about it? What does God say about it in the general sense, like natural revelation and the way he's revealed himself in the world through the covenant he made with Noah? And then what does he say over the church, the specific his specific rule and reign where we should be living out the Sermon on the Mount in a, in a very clear and real way. Most people aren't biblically literate on these things, and we should um, seek, we should seek it, man. We should seek it. I mean, I can't read. I'm reading through the prophets right now, and God is destroying entire godless cities because of the way they treated the poor. He's, he's going off on injustice and unbalanced scales and, um, and the way that the rich treat the poor. It's, it's not just, oh, yeah, you know, you broke some commandments. It's you're not caring for the poor, mm-hmm. right? It's not just you stopped reading the Bible or something like that, you know, yeah. like some personal religious devotion. But he's going off on these things. And so um, we need to be biblically literate, right? Yeah. So that's what it's saying. We need to be bi- biblically literate. And any book, any prophet writes, any book, any pastor writes, um, it's going to be full of truth and untruth, yeah. more than likely, mm-hmm. right? Well, and and it, that... <clears throat> That biblical illiteracy, I think, I feel like also is translated into like a lot of people saying like, okay, just shut up and preach the gospel instead of addressing these things. When they, because they're so like biblically illiterate that they don't understand like this is part of the gospel as well. Right. And yeah. And so like what seems like this uh, pride over their own biblical literacy is actually the opposite. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And here's the deal. So we could, if, if we're talking about like the social justice stuff, John MacArthur, he has his specific view, and he's he's trying to get um, his interpretation from the scriptures, his view from the scriptures. Tim Keller has a completely different, or not not completely different view, but he's on the other end of the spectrum. And guess what? Either one of these guys is wrong, or both of them is wrong. There is real truth out there. There is real mm-hmm. truth out there. There's not like multi perspectives that oh maybe they're both right. They're not both right. One of them is wrong. And, and it's up to, to, you know, well, the Lord will, when we get to heaven, the Lord will tell us very clearly, and we'll know who exactly who is right and who is wrong. But it's our job to interpret the scriptures and to go and read them in their, you know, in context and uh, come to our biblical convictions and then stand upon those biblical convictions because it's the word of God and, um, and therefore it is 
It's divinely inspired. It's authoritative in itself. Okay, so that's it. That's it. That's the um, articles two through five in chapter ones on on the Holy Scripture. This is the way that God has revealed himself. Um, We don't need any other books than what we have in our Old and our New Testament. But all of that scripture was God-breathed and given to us for our um, maturity, for our um, discipleship. And so we should uh, memorize the Bible. Like I said before, if you don't have the books of the Bible memorized, you should do that too, just to help you find them. And, um, And if you're looking for any more information on the canon of scripture, how we can trust these books of the Bible, go to uh, the show notes and you can find some resources there. And that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you for my uh, residents for joining us today. Hopefully, maybe it spurred something uh, in your imagination. Maybe it encouraged encouraged you in some way. We just hope that, that you are uh, realizing that theology is for everyone and that we're helping you follow Jesus in the normal rhythms of life. We love you guys. God bless. Talk to you soon.